everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Translating Love. I'm Danny. And I'm Boyfi. So today, we really want to thank all of you listeners that um, a lot of people apparently like what we do, and we really appreciate that. Um, and it would help us immensely uh, if you could just share the podcast or talk about it uh, with friends, tell your family and friends. Uh, maybe there are some people who might want to listen to it uh, and um, who also might appreciate that. So uh, if you could do that, we really, really, really would appreciate it. And it also really helps us too if you're willing to share like a link either to Spotify or Google Podcasts or whatever um, in your Instagram stories because that's a great way to get yeah. the word out and you can tag us. Um, yeah. yeah. That would be really cool. So yeah, today's topic is a little heavier, but we kind of need to go into that before we move on to other topics like anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, I don't know. We should maybe put like a little disclaimer out there. Yeah, just a kind of a trigger warning for anyone out there who suffers from PTSD or has experienced trauma, um, especially regarding sexual harassment or rape. Those are things that are going to come up in this episode. And I know that that can be triggering for some people. So um, if you need to skip this episode and not listen to it, that's 100% okay. We just wanted to let you know ahead of time as to not trigger anyone. Yeah. So, and thank you for everyone who's still here. <laughs> So trauma, we, we are talking about trauma today. Mm -hmm. So just a quick little Wikipedia definition of trauma. There's major trauma, which is typically used in physical medicine, severe physical injury caused by an external source. There's psychological trauma, which is a type of damage to the psyche that occurs as a result of a severely distressing event. And there's traumatic injury, which is sudden physical injury caused by an external force, which does not rise to the level of major trauma. Right. So since we both have been into like really traumatic uh, experiences mm -hmm. or we experienced something really traumatic, um, we individually going to talk about it. Um, and I will just start. So for those who don't know me personally or who don't know me at all, I had like a severe accident a couple of years ago, uh, 2011. I was working at this like steel company in Linz. Um, and yeah, I worked there with heavy machines and we did a lot of uh, work by hand um, and we had to clean things and we had to get into things. And yeah, at some point, um, during like a shift, it was like a Friday afternoon. We were already were all tired and like exhausted and looking forward to going home. And yeah, right after like a break, um, I had to clean this heavy machine. Um, and you have to think about it. it's like uh, basically uh, some sort of like rolls. And between those rolls, like a thin layer of metal plate which is maybe like two millimeters thick, so it's really thin, um, is basically uh, pulled through. Um, and I had to clean that machine, 
which is now not cleaned anymore with hand or by hand. I had to clean it with my hands and I had to put on like this glove, which is made out of uh, rubber to not uh, put any dirt on it or to not rub dirt on it, basically. And I cleaned it and it pulled me in. So my hand got pulled into that machine. And yeah, uh, it's a long story, but basically I was trapped in there for an hour. Um, they couldn't bring the machine to open again. So they had to call the, the fire department and they had to basically um, <clears throat> assemble, no, not as, uh, like disassemble, disassemble mm-hmm. the parts of the machine to lift it and to get my hands, uh, my hand, my right hand out of the machine. I took an hour, a little over an hour. Um, and yeah, I had to go to the hospital, obviously. Uh, and for like, I don't know, like a week or a week and a half, I didn't really know what happened. Nobody really didn't tell me anything. Um, I was just basically trying to stay over like my head and trying to be positive and trying to joke about it. And, um, yeah, but uh, it basically came out that I lost all of my fingers, parts of my thumb, and the skin of my hand got completely uh, ripped off. Basically, um, they were able to they were they were able to save um, parts of my skin, but uh, parts that didn't like basically reattach again, or they didn't. Uh, Parts of the skin died, and so they had to take skin out of my leg and foot. But yeah, um, overall, I stayed in the hospital for like six weeks. And then I was, yeah, and then I was able to go home. But then like the, the yeah, rehabilitation started kind of, um, more or less. I tried to heal and stay positive and ignore Kind of all of those, I never had negative thoughts, which was weird. I, I never had like a what if thought or like a, this is not going to work out or or like those thoughts that you kind of maybe have at this point in the, in the situation like that. Um, but over the years, I had uh, three more major surgeries um, and a couple of small ones. And they reattached two toes of both of my feet to my hand so i had like a grip function now i have like two small fingers on my right hand uh yeah that is basically my dramatic event just for that last part to clarify in case it's not clear they basically took uh two so the the toe next to the big toe right it was that one yeah they took that toe from each foot and they attached it to his right hand so he has what you would see is like a, a thumb and index finger. So then right. he's able to grip things and he can still write. Right, yeah. And which I'm sure took a while to yeah. relearn yeah. how to do. Yeah. Um, but at least he has then more function in his in his hand. Yeah. I mean, everything, I mean, I had for like almost a year, I had no right hand or no fingers on my right hand. Uh, the first thing I got in, in June of 2011 and the second in September of 2011. But it took a while until I were able to move it and until I were really able to grip something. So I basically was without a functioning hand for almost a year. Um, and it's not super easy to to 
do stuff to, I mean, I was not able to drive. I, I couldn't really write. I was, I tried to learn it with my left hand and I'm able to now, but it's not super. <laughs> so if I want to read. It's legible though. It is. But if I want to write something that I want to read again mm-hmm. afterwards, I'm not writing with my left hand. But yeah, all of that, I mean, small things like uh, grabbing things, uh, uh, going to the toilet, um, doing your your uh, shoelaces, stuff like that, all small things I had to relearn again. And yeah, it took a while. How was that with with shoes for you I, I before remember, you had the surgeries to get the Oh, I fingers? was not able to, to do them. With one hand, you can't really... Yeah do your shoelaces but I remember the day when I was finally able to do them again and it felt like it's so dumb but it felt like one of the biggest accomplishments mm. did you have different kinds of shoes then like that were more mm. slip-on shoes I mean or? basically what you do now you tie them once and then you just slip and slip okay. out but yeah stuff like that I had to learn again and and weirdly I never had like those again those negative thoughts or like um, I never felt down. I never had like depression or felt, I mean, sure, I felt sad. And I, I mean, I felt like I lost something and that took me a while, but it felt more like losing, like losing a partner or losing something like an animal, like something like that. It felt more like that, but, but overall I was happy or positive and I just moved forward. Um, and it took me a couple of years, but in the end, a traumatic event is basically manifesting in your brain. Um, uh, there are a lot of studies about that, um, but it basically haunts you at some point. If you don't, if you never treat it, it will haunt you in in, in mm-hmm. a way of uh, in a different form of of I don't know psychological uh, problem usually, or or. Whatever. So at some point, you, you you can't run away with it anymore. And that's what happened after a couple of years. It took, I don't know, almost five years. Um, and then it came back to me and it, it hit me hard. Um, and I'm still struggling with it. It's more like a post, post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorder or syndrome. And it's uh, combined with depression and anxiety about certain stuff, um, mostly health. Um, and yeah, that's all related to the one trauma that I uh, had with uh, 20 years old. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm still struggling with it. It's a, it's, it's a, a path that I'm going and I'm, I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm learning about um, how to deal with the whole thing and how to, um, it's part of me. It's not something that I, I can't just say go away and it goes away. It's part of me and it will probably be part of me for the rest of my life. But I, I learned to accept that and I learned to um, deal with the the negative aspects of it. But I also learned how to to use that form of 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 distress in a creative way and yeah i i'm yeah i'm not done with it yet but i'm going there mm-hmm. yeah and for how many years did you wear the glove because you wore a glove on your hand oh, yeah. to yeah. kind of cover it for a pretty long time i think yeah i mean it's 
until 2016. Yeah. Um, you have to imagine you you look at that thing every day. It's not something that you can just cover up with like pants or like shirt, a shirt or something. And uh, you look at that every day. You see it every day when you wake up. You you see it when you do something with your hands. It's there all the time. And so it was really hard and it's still not easy to look at it and say, okay, that's me and that's that's okay. Um, I'm much better at that like now and it doesn't give me any like negative thoughts or, or, or I don't know, sadness anymore. But it took me a while to get there and and I remember a really good friend, Marius, he, he was the first one who gave me confidence back um, and who basically told me not to worry about what other people think um, and just do my thing and which which helped me immensely to to have like a bo- a positive body image i would say so kind of basically i i was able to finally accept okay that's me that's my body that's how i look that's how i'm going to look and i'm okay with that um the thing that basically was your doing or you helped me not my doing it was still your choice you made the you made the leap to not wear it anymore i just pushed you a little Mm, bit yeah sure but but you helped me um to to maybe yeah you pushed me a little bit in the right direction or you basically told me hey don't give a shit about that or what other people think and i mean i i grew up with a mom who she lost her leg when she was 18 and so I grew up with a lot of, you know, everybody. She didn't have a prosthetic leg until I was about six or seven. And even with the prosthetic leg, you know, people would look, people would point, kids especially. Yep. And with kids, it's not usually 99% of the time it's not meant to be mean. It's just they don't know how else yeah, to react. It's different and, for them. Yeah, yeah. But there are some people who stare and and I always wondered how she did it because she was so – and still is she's just so accepting of – of who she is and that's part of her now and she as kids like we we would make jokes and she would like make her leg like the rest of her leg where the scars she'd like make it talk and you know she had fun with it with kids and it made it normal for us and when I was like six I think I told her when I when I grow up I want to have one leg just like you (laughs) and she said it was one of the sweetest things I've said but I think growing up with that, it kind of helped me to to push you a little bit mm. because I saw that he wore the glove, and so I we were texting, and I said, "Why why do you wear it?" And I think it was mostly for that reason yeah. because when you go out, yeah, people look or you think that they're looking yeah. or you feel like they're looking. I basically was concerned about what other people yeah. think, but the weird thing is that people looked more when I had the glove exactly. on. Uh, uh, as when I took it off. So basically, mm-hmm. a lot of people never really realized, like, for example, when I studied, a lot of people never really realized that I had a problem there um, because people don't really look. If you they don't. If you're not really, it's it's the same with the car effect. If you, I don't know, if you focus yourself on a, a brand like VW, BMW, or, or if you're thinking of a buying a car, or yeah, something. exactly. You see that brand driving around everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same effect, and and or if you think about dogs, you see a dog everywhere, or a pregnant woman, you see pregnant women everywhere, or babies. It's the same thing. 
um, and people don't necessarily look for like injuries or like yeah. I saw them everywhere. I saw people with one leg. I saw people with fingers missing, stuff like that. I saw them everywhere. And so I was, my focus shifted towards that. And so it was hard for me to just say, okay, I don't, I'm accepting that and mm-hmm. I'm putting it out there and I don't give a shit about what other people think. Yeah. So I, I remember just telling you to, that nobody is looking. Yeah. And I think I said, they're probably looking more because you have something on your hand. Yeah. And I remember telling you, just go one day, the next time you go into the city, go one day without wearing yeah. it. Just see how it feels. That basically what it was, it was not a glove. It was a, a sock and I cut two holes in it mm-hmm. and it, I, I basically put it over. And so the fingers was were uh, looking out of the sock. Um, but it sucked because I had to buy socks all the time mm-hmm. for that purpose. <laughs> so... I'm glad that I got past that and it was part of moving forward and part of accepting who I am and how my hand looks as as weird as it's as it sounds but yeah I was a that was a, a major part of, of of moving forward so that's my story it, I could talk more about it and I will at a certain point yeah we're going to do another episode about like anxiety and depression and which more stems on that from topic. that topic and exactly both of our anxiety and our depression i mean my depression not so much so but anxiety at least for both of us kind of stem yeah. from our traumas and so we wanted to share the trauma first so it made more sense and then maybe more people can relate to it right so we'll go more into that but essentially it, it created over years passing it created a health anxiety for yeah, you yeah yeah so we'll go into that more so yeah that's that's my story and is there anything you've that you haven't said that like that you've learned from the experience or throughout the years like that or something that changed you did it change you in a positive way i mean i was 20 years old i was at that time i was basically in the belief that i'm invincible i never you never think really about dying you never think about uh, your life could end at a certain point you just you just have fun, you work or you study and you just don't think about that stuff. Um, and I'm, I, I, I'm still not mature. <laughs> I, I'm pretty silly, but I matured enough in that, that year and I learned a lot and I, yeah. I think I, you can be silly and mature at the yeah, same time. Yeah, sure. There's a, there's a line there. Sure. But um, I don't know. A lot of people said that I changed a lot during that year and I think so too. And um, as much as I, I wish or I wished at some point that that never happened, as much I'm glad that it did because I uh, life pushed me towards some things that I would have not been pushed towards to. And, and I was able to study and I was able to meet some of my closest friends today. And I, I believe that the whole incident also pushed me towards me reconnecting with you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm really grateful about that. And, and today I can say that I'm grateful about going through the trauma and 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 experiencing it because essentially what it did it helped me to grow. It helped me to to and it still does. And and that's I mean that's what you want during life. You don't want to just stay in the same place. You don't want to be the same person all the time. You want to get better. And you only can get better by facing problems, whatever they might be. Yeah. 
And I guess my last question for you would be if you have any, I mean, we'll talk more about this once we talk about anxiety, but just specifically for the trauma itself, the the injury, yeah. there are probably other people who, I mean, there are tons of people out there who have similar injuries where they lose fingers, they lose yeah. toes, they lose yeah. legs yeah. and all of that. Do you have any tips for people on how to push yourself through the really hard times of that? The, I, the, the, I, I, think what would help me a lot in the first like two three years like in the hospital and then afterwards um was staying positive and just looking forward like pushing myself and setting goals like for example my goal was to 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 heal and then go back into the hospital to get like my first finger or to get like the 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 skin transplant and stuff like that there i set myself goals and i i looked towards those goals and i never I mean, sure, it pushed my my PTSD for a couple of years because I never really uh, faced that part of it, and I never really took myself or took time to to work on that, which was not really good. So, in that sense, I would also say that you should definitely go to see someone, mm -hmm. talk to someone, and work through it, even though it might not showing. And Even, it might not feel like you need it, right? But but, but your I think your brain has a really good way of suppressing trauma, yeah, yeah. and and it's it, good. It's it, good. It's a it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. But at the same time, it's very likely that that trauma will resurface itself. Yeah, it will later in your life. Most definitely, whether it's a year, whether it's ten years, yeah. and if it's so. So much later in life, you might not understand where it's coming yeah, from, and that's where people while. start going to therapy and they start digging yeah. into where it comes from. It took me a while to understand why now and and what, but it totally makes sense because I I worked my ass off, um, healing and then going back to school and studying. I worked my ass off, and I I had no time, and I didn't take time for just stepping back for a moment and looking into my my psyche and see okay okay i need to work on that too i need to fix that too um but in in I, yeah that's i don't know if i could have done it differently i'm glad that i pushed myself and that i worked my ass off and that i got my bachelor's and then my master's um but yeah i i think staying positive is the best way and, and trying to have people who who are positive near you and who support you on every in every aspect you can't do stuff like that alone mm -hmm. you simply can't and, and and in relationships that's really important too if you've been through a trauma and you're in a relationship it's it's obviously not right in the beginning if you're not ready to share that trauma with that person yeah. but yeah. it it is important that that person becomes part of it because then like for me, I can better understand him through his health anxiety and through a lot of like some of the struggles that he still has today with it. And I can be, I think I can be there for you in a different way yeah. because I, I understand it and because we've talked about it yeah. openly. Yeah. So it's important to to talk about it with your partner when you're feeling it, when you're having a hard day. Yeah. It's, it's good to be open about those things. So, okay, now it's your time to share mm -hmm. your, your part of, of, of it. Um, okay, so my part, and this could also be triggering for some people. So if you've listened to this point and you're getting through it, that's great. 
and yeah, this this could be triggering for some other people, but I, I hope that you stick around because I think that it's also good to hear someone else's experience because that was good for me. Yeah, especially for women who had maybe a similar incident or mm -hmm. or I don't know. It's good to share it and it's um it it's a positive aspect to to feel not alone because you're not alone with a story like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the very 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 short version is that in 2016 in the summer I was raped um by two people who weren't really like friends but I was friendly with them. I knew them for at least a couple of months and we had done music shows together and all of that stuff. So we weren't strangers. Um without going into too much crazy detail um i so my brother and i are in a band together and we had a show for my birthday which is on the 31st of august and we did a show at this bar in portland where we were living at the time and it was like the 28th of august so it was a few days before and we did a show there and i'm not a huge drinker but back then you know i i could handle my alcohol And I think overall throughout the night, I had three drinks. The first was before our show, so pretty early, around seven. And by the time we played, because I don't like to play on a buzz because it, it doesn't feel right to me. So I just had a light drink and then we played our show. So by the time the show was over, I was completely sober. And then with friends, we just did like a little celebratory shot. And I think we had a beer after that. So within the span of like three hours, I had three drinks and that's perfectly handy. I can handle that. Uh, when we ordered the shots, we were with a group of friends and I had to go to the bathroom. And so while they're ordering the shots, I said, I'll be right back. I have to go to the bathroom. And then I did. And then I came back and we took the shot, drank a beer. And shortly after, I started feeling very strange, but at At first, I just felt like I was really, really drunk. And I didn't quite understand it because I didn't really have that much to drink. So I didn't really think much of it, though. It's just when you're because when you feel like that, you're just, oh, I'm drunk. So I didn't really put too much thought into the whole thing. Um, so the rest of the night's kind of a blurry, weird mess. So basically what happened, someone drugged you. Essentially what happened is someone drugged so me. So either one of the people you're with or the bartender, mm. most likely. So someone who yep. was able to get to your drink without mm -hmm. like like a stranger. It wouldn't have been a stranger probably, I assume. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I still think about to this day is that earlier in the evening, so right after I played the show or maybe in between our set, something like that, I was walking towards the bar to get some water and some guy hit on me some random guy that I didn't know was hitting on me he was probably also drunk and I turned him down pretty quickly I'm not one to if someone's being rude when they're hitting on me I don't tolerate that so he was being kind of rude and pushy and I basically turned him down and said yeah not gonna happen sorry 
have a nice night. And then I walked away. So I've always kind of thought, okay, maybe him, but I didn't see him the rest of the night. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah. So at some point, so my brother had gone home and at some point, so I stayed out with some friends and at some point someone suggested that we go to a strip club, which is not something I would usually be remotely interested in. But I guess in the state that I was in, I said, yeah, let's do it. So my car ended up getting there. And I do remember that two of my friends drove my car with me in the backseat. So I remember that much of it when we went to the strip club. I guess there was a stripper's boobs in my face at some point. That was part of the whole evening. And uh, one of my two later B attackers was also there and he was like really handsy with me and I guess he someone told me later that we were making out at some point which I have zero recollection of and then after that it's kind of again black don't really know anything after that all I know is that my car ended up at a house I believe that I drove it and the only reason I believe that is because the next morning when I got into my car, everything was as it should be. So, like, my seat was in the right place. Mm. And I'm pretty short. So, anybody who would drive my car would need to move the seat back. So, yeah. unless they moved it forward <laughs> again, which I just don't see as a yeah. possibility. So, I assume that I drove my own car there, which that thought alone terrifies me. Yeah. And because... I have zero recollection of driving, and so that could have been a life-threatening either for myself or for somebody else mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. Um, I remember being in the house. The two guys were there. They poured some sort of drink. I don't remember drinking it, but I believe that I did. And then things just kind of started happening. They started touching me and... Eventually, the next thing I remember is I'm on a bed. I felt like I couldn't say anything I because of my, my head and where I was and being drugged. I, it's a, for anyone out there who's had the experience or who's been on drugs like that, it's kind of indescribable in how you feel. I mean, it's it was basically probably a roofie or something yeah. like that. And what it does, it basically... It shuts off a lot of your your function, your it brain function. It numbs you completely and you experience, You basically see everything through like a really thick glass. I would you, describe it more as like you're experiencing everything, you're feeling everything, yeah. but... But you're far away from it. But your muscles, yeah. it's like your muscles yeah. can't react yeah. and you sometimes you can't speak even yeah. though you want to. Yeah. It's like you have you basically have no control over over mm -hmm. anything anymore. You're basically completely out of control. But but the shitty thing is that you you experience everything. It's not like you just black out and it's gone. But there's still some. It's not like a like I don't know anesthesia or something like that. Yeah. But so for me, I went in and out, or at least I I guess in the moment I wasn't in and out, but my memory is in and out of it. So my memory is just little glimpses here and there, and. I remember wanting to say stop at some point because I'm also not the type of person who would want to be with two people at the same time. It's, that doesn't sound appealing to me. It's never something I've really been like, oh, yeah, I really want to try that at some mm. point in my life. So it's not something I would have said yes to had it been offered if I was in like a sound state of mind. Yeah. 
And um, yeah. I mean, you basically woke up the next morning. I woke up the next morning very confused. I, again, had glimpses of what had happened the night before, but I just was completely, I don't know, just there but not really there. So I got up. They were both passed out somewhere because I believe they were also drunk or at least one of them was, mm. which, by the way, is not an excuse. Nope. Um, and I got my stuff. I got whatever I had. I tried to find my car keys. I found my car keys. I found my ukulele and I went outside and I ran to my car. Mm. And I just remember sitting in my car and I couldn't move. Once I got to my car, I took a breath. And I just started crying and I think I screamed in my car because I was like, what the fuck just happened? Mm. And, and then I started to feel pain in places that I didn't want to feel pain. And you I were sore, right? I was really sore. Yeah. I eventually later had bruises in like on my legs and my arms. And I had cuts on my nipples, which was probably the most painful thing I've ever experienced. It took a very, very long time to heal. Mm. and yeah i think when i got in the car I, I texted you or i called you right away yeah that was that's the first thing i remember actively doing i remember the conversation that we had oh, see i don't right after and it was did i call you uh, yeah yeah we called quickly and i had to then i'd drive around a little bit and get my head free and just mm. It's hard because if you're not there and if you can't like help that person in that moment, yeah. then you Because at that point, this was after he had visited already. So we were basically a, a thing at this yeah. point. Yeah. And it was really hard because I couldn't do anything. And it was really hard for me to wrap my head around the whole thing and to also deal with that somehow because didn't really know what happened you didn't really know what happened at that point yeah i, I don't even remember and the conversation like speaking i mean i that was my first thing that i spoke of rape and i spoke of that and but it was really hard for you to even think about that at that stage i couldn't say the word i still have trouble saying the word and 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 it took you a long time to see it as it was what it was and yeah. to not blame yourself for that incident well, i still do sometimes um but yeah uh, but uh, you, um, you uh, talk to them or to one of them? Yeah. So the I drove home, and because I was still so unsure of what happened, I wanted some sort of clarification, and I I ended up texting both of them, and that's the weird thing about knowing the people that did it because you feel this weird like they know something they must know what happened mm. and that's how that's how you get it and this was before I saw it for what it really was and I and this is before I was really feeling any sort of like major pain or anything and so I just texted them and I said I think I was drugged last night and I think I said I think someone drugged me I don't know who it was I didn't put any blame on them yet but I just said someone drugged me last night because there's no way I was drunk. There's no way. And one of them texted back, I think I was drugged too because I also don't remember 
much of the night and I don't remember much, but this person's also an alcoholic. And so that didn't surprise me that they didn't remember much of the night. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of saw that as like a, a cop out, you know, like yeah, trying to trying to not take responsibility for doing that. And also for something that can be really problematic if yeah. you go to court or if you go to the police about that. Yeah. So sure, he tries to play it down or like, oh, I didn't know anything about it. And I think I never responded again <laughs> after that. But I mean, the other one. Was... And the other one texted me back. Oh, shit, that sucks. That was the whole response. That was it. And for me, that is something that was like, okay, that's a sign for me. Maybe not that they were. The, I still don't put blame on anyone for drugging me because I am not certain on that about who it could have been. But that gives me more reason to believe that it was him. So just who responds that way? That That's yeah. outrageous. But basically, you obviously get tested afterwards, but you didn't that go was to the a police. Treat. Yeah, so I did the... Oh, no, the other thing that the other guy texted me back. This is why I got tested. He oh, texted yeah. me back and said, by the way, I have herpes, but it wasn't flared up last night, so you should be fine. Oh, yeah. And that also told me, okay, so you were drugged, but you know that you weren't flared up last night. Mm. Every, if, if you're of sound mind, you know yeah, that, and you yeah. don't have sex with somebody if you're flared up even with a condom yeah you just don't so the whole thing was just nothing was right about it yeah so then i went to planned parenthood and that's the first time i had gotten i mean you get that kind of testing at like your yeah. ob's office yeah. and stuff but i went and you have to ask for a specific test so there are some things they don't just automatically test mm. for mm. and as, at planned parenthood especially you just go and you say what you need and I, this was the next day, so I wasn't ready to say what happened. Yeah. And they legally have to ask you. Uh, they first they ask how many partners do you have? Mm. At that time, I'd only had one, and so I said one. And she said, "Then you probably don't need this test." And I remember I was I just started crying instantly, and I was scared because if I said something, I didn't know what the rules were. Do are they legally? required to tell somebody if it's rape to report it no i don't think so because it falls under 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 patient what is it called doctor patient confidentiality but i don't know i don't know with rape if that's the that falls under it if you don't that always does yeah they have to keep that under if you don't want to i think it the only thing is like suicide attempts and stuff that they have to report yeah or talks of suicide they have to report maybe yeah but but other than that it's all yeah, but at that time, in that moment, I didn't know, and I wasn't ready to say that this was a few hours later, and so I made up some bullshit thing that my I had reason to believe that my partner was cheating, and just in case he got something and passed it on to me that I wanted to get tested, mm. and that seemed to work, and it also explained why I was crying, <laughs> so it it went through and it was fine, but the problem then is waiting I think I had to wait three or four weeks before my test results came back. Mm. And that was a miserable waiting period. Thank God everything came back fine. Um, so you got t- tested for AIDS and for... I got tested for everything, basically, everything. or yeah. at least STDs. Yeah, yeah. 
which you should do by the way if you even if, if you don't sure, have, if you have like had like a one night stand yeah. or some shady things just do it just do especially it. in austria i mean on plant parenthood you can't do it for free i guess it's not free for everybody it depends on your income level yeah. i think but still it's but not it's that cheap. much and just do it yeah and if you have a lot of sex partners, just do it once a month yeah. or once every or two months. Or even if you have more than one sexual partner. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst. Maybe not every month, but every couple of months, just get yourself tested. Right. It's It doesn't do any harm. And it's just for it's good for you and it's good for your sex partners to yeah. just know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, um, it's fine. That's an important side note. Uh, so you did that. Oh, um, and then you had mentioned that I didn't report it. And that was a tough decision. So the only people that I was ready to say that it was rape to was my mom and my dad and my brother. And I called, I think I called my brother first and then I called my mom and then I called my dad. And that was probably some of the hardest conversations I've had with my family members Mm. Because it's hard to say that, and I'm sure it's equally as hard for them to hear it and to be so far away. But but you but you didn't report it to the police because yeah, so I didn't report it f- for a few reasons. One is that at, especially at the time, I I mean I blamed myself. Yeah. Because my biggest thing was that I drove myself there, or at least that's how it looks. Yeah. It looks like I drove myself there. Yeah. Granted, I've since learned that fucking doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Mm. They they are two adults. They should see that I am in no state of mind to consent to yeah. anything. Yeah. I also didn't ever say yes to anything. They just started doing stuff. And only because someone doesn't say no doesn't mean it's a yes. And they did things that I remember that they just started doing things. Yeah. Like grabbing objects and things and hitting me with them or and it's it, who who doesn't ask if that's something yeah. that you want. Yeah. And so it took me a really long time to accept that that it was rape and that it was not my fault. And so that was part of why I didn't report it. And the other part was that I I watch a lot of like Law and Order SVU. I think I've seen every single episode through 16 or 17 seasons of that show. And I know, I know that it's based on, it's not based on real stories. Sometimes it is, but they stretch it a little bit mm-hmm. or a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think it does pretty accurately represent the system in the sense of when they go to trial or when they report things, women are, especially women who have had a drink or two, mm-hmm. they don't believe them. And a big problem was also that you didn't get tested for any any Any, any drug, drugs. Mm-hmm. Which, which would have been... Uh, the best thing to do in that in retrospect I wish that I had that's a good point because if you drink something and if you feel weird or something and if nothing happens that's good but but the the takeaway is here just get a blood sample and get tested because um, knowing that you got something that that, it, that you uh, took like a drug or that someone drugged you um, can save other people um, because you can... And they also put it in their statistics, which right. is something that's important. They the, they have statistics of how many women are being drugged in bars right. and how many yeah. women are... And the symptoms of that and all, because it they can then 
share that with the public and yeah, say these yeah. are common symptoms of people who yeah. have been drugged with this drug yeah and also you can basically tell people like hey i get drugged at this bar last night or whatever um and maybe be aware maybe be cautious and you know look for things that you usually don't look at or mm -hmm. stuff like that just be a little careful yeah yeah, yeah. but because i i watch things like that and i've and also have read about like real life cases where a lot of women are not believed when they say that they've been raped because the the person might ask okay but you didn't say or they might say you didn't say no yeah so you didn't say anything therefore you didn't say no you didn't say yes so how should they know that they can't which is such a bullshit argument but it happens a lot and i personally didn't want to put myself through any more of it than I had to. And so it was my choice not to report it. And I got some crap and some shame for it, which was just another added shit show. Yeah. But I I think that if you report something anonymously, I think that's good because that's also for statistics that's good. Um but if you don't want to go to the police, if you don't want to Give the names of the people if you know them. Yeah. That's your choice. Exactly. It's ultimately it's your choice. And if you go or not go, it's your choice. And um, there there is a statute of limitations. Yeah. And it depends on the state, but most states are up to 14, 15 years of statute yeah. of limitations. So you have time to decide if you want to report it. Yeah. And sure, the longer you wait, the less that could potentially happen in your favor, but you can still report it. I think it's it's also, I mean, if you know those people, I think it's a little different, but mm -hmm. knowing the person, I don't knowing the person is maybe the thing is you don't want anyone else to go through that. Yeah. Um, and that's also something that, that should be on your mind by choosing if you report the person or not, because if, if that, that man or woman, whoever does something like that potentially does it more often or could do more often than you might want to consider and say, yeah. okay, I'm going to report that person because um, it could mean one person less. Yeah. And that's the thing affected. I think I still struggle with a lot because I, knowing them a little beforehand, at least one of them never would strike me as someone like that. But at the same time, if it happened to me, then it could happen to somebody else. Right. And that's something I struggle with too, because I, I still to this day think, okay, I still could report it. I still could mm. put their names out there. But what comes of that? Does does something even happen? Do they even does do they even get talked to? You know, it's just a whole Um, yeah. Um <clears throat> you still struggle with the whole thing. But I think what's like uh important to say that from the trauma you you um basically struggled with something else afterwards we i mean we had a lot of um talks about it and we 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 got back to where we are and we we worked through the whole thing even though it took some time and mm -hmm. it's still it's not something that just heals and it's gone because you still have days where it's heavier and you still have... Yeah. And I still have triggers. Like if we're triggers, watching a movie right. and there's like a rape scene in it and if it's a really graphic scene or if it feels similar to what yeah, I went through, yeah. I have a really hard time with that. Which is totally and I, normal. I think that'll probably be a forever thing and I've accepted that. Yeah. But... But it's also not good to 
um, just uh, put like a, a safety net around yourself and, exactly. and try to to not to avoid all to of avoid those everything things. because avoiding makes it ultimately worse because you're getting more sensitive to the whole subject. Yeah. Um, so it's I'm not saying go and and read and watch everything about yeah. it, but but uh, yeah. Don't try to not avoid things on purpose knowingly because it helps you ultimately to to overcome some fears and mm-hmm. to overcome some some struggles. Yeah. But what I wanted to talk about is more the 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 problems that occurred afterwards, like mm-hmm. a couple of years after and you you're still struggling with that. Yeah. I mean the the biggest and I mean I I believe that I have PTSD from it and it's gotten better and it shaped me and in a lot of ways it made me a much stronger person and so for that i'm i'm grateful which might sound weird but i am not necessarily grateful that it happened but grateful for what i was able to do after yeah and what i learned and all of that but and it pushed me to make the decision to come here because I just, it was my way of saying, you know, fuck expectations and fuck what everybody else wants or thinks yeah. and do something for you. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy yeah. and brings you joy. And I think that was a really big thing for me then. But uh, I had nightmares for a really long time. Occasionally I still have them, but it's pretty rare. But it used to be so many times a week I would have terrible nightmares. Mm. Also being together, being intimate together. It was hard. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's still, in some ways, that still is. Yeah. There are some times where I'm triggered while we're intimate and I try to, I've gotten better at just letting it be there and it goes away. Yeah. And not letting it take over that part of my life. Um, but it caused also a lot of anxiety for me. And I think... So what I have is basically called relationship anxiety. Mm. There's there's a lot of – that's also something we'll talk about, but there are a lot of different types of anxiety. So not everyone who has anxiety has the same form of anxiety. Yeah. And I think it's really important to try to find what yours is because for me, I was looking into generalized anxiety and it kind of fit for me. The thing but is they didn't. overlap. All of they them overlap. overlap and all of them have similarities. But, but overall, some of them have very specific yeah, things yeah. that will just – totally speak to you so i highly recommend we'll talk about that in another episode but um but yeah so i have relationship anxiety and i think a huge portion of that i've had it longer so not just since my trauma but my trauma really made it bigger and significantly bigger and essentially it's just a, a very very brief description of relationship anxiety is that you you have sort of trust issues but not necessarily with your partner so for me it doesn't concern that i'm i don't trust him it's more that i don't trust other people like other mm. women mm. and i'm threatened i get very threatened by other women who i think are attractive who he's really close with and it's stuff like that but it's to a pretty elevated degree yeah and it's it's almost it's almost destructive and oh it's totally destructive and and like basically the worst thing that you can have being with someone 
And if you don't know what it is, it basically destroys your relationship. It will yeah. destroy your relationship. And um, for a long time, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. A long time, I couldn't define why do I feel like this? Why? Yeah, yeah. What is this? You showed me no reason to not trust you. I mean, there were a couple things. We had like some issues with lying and mm. things like that. So that that triggered some of it for me because some of the lies were formed around or involved an ex, but it it that maybe some things we'll get into another time too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was nothing bad. It was just his way of trying to help me in some, you know, I don't know how you would say we, that. Yeah, we'll go into that. Yeah, and a different. But podcast. he wasn't doing anything wrong. Essentially, is my is my point. Yeah. But the the lying in general just was for me, especially at that time was was triggering it triggering and it added to what yeah. I was feeling. Yeah. It caused it, yeah it caused a lot of problems for us because I couldn't define why I was feeling like that except for that one thing. Mm. But me feeling it to that extent didn't make sense with that one. Yeah. Yeah thing that the one problem that we had with the lying my reactions to the the lying stuff and how long it took for me to get over it even though because it was a short time span of our relationship but it took me a really long time to get over it and i kept coming back to it and it was obsessive yeah and it so that it didn't make sense that it just came from that and so it took some time and some fights and (laughs) some struggles in our relationship to i think figure out where it came from. I think what's important is that that and we're still doing that and learning to do that is to work together um, to see that those things are my problem and those things are her problems but we are working together on those problems it's mm-hmm. not like you have to work on that and I have to work on that sure and then we'll come back together right. when we've got it figured sure, out sure it's yeah. it's it's a lot of of it is on yourself and a lot of it is is dealing with that and and mm-hmm. trying to to accept the whole thing in a healthy way but also talking about it learning how to deal with it mm-hmm. learning to understand it um and also learning to live with it because and accept it and yeah. and embrace it in some yeah. ways yeah because you're in a relationship together and you 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 can't just say okay deal with it yourself and then we come back together mm-hmm. as you said so I think that it's important to to say to yourself that nobody else can solve your problems yeah, or your yeah. anxieties or your fears. You're the only person who can do that. And that might sound kind of scary, but in reality, if you go see a therapist, they're not fixing your problems. Yeah, they're, they're giving you tools yeah. that you then have to use. Yeah. It, just going and talking to them doesn't solve anything yeah. because you have to take what they give you and actually utilize it in your daily life. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then it's not going to help you. And it's the same in a relationship. You can't rely on somebody else to fix the things that, that you need fixed or that you want to go away because they can't do that and you can't expect that of somebody. No. But as a partner, it's important to just be supportive of that person to try to understand them to talk to them when they need to talk and if you have advice for them that you think might help you can give them that advice but i think it's important to just be understanding with each other but not expect the other person to fix everything for you yeah yeah working together is key and understanding the person Mm -hmm. um what is definitely easier or was easier for us is that we both had incidents like that and that we both understood 
or understand trauma and anxiety to a certain degree, um, which made it easier for us to understand the other person a little better, even though I can't fully understand her anxiety and she can't fully understand mm -hmm. mine, which is totally okay and it's fine. But accepting it and also, um, as you said, embracing it is is key and and dealing with dealing with yeah. it in a healthy way. And for me, that was a huge thing was being open about it. I mean, this is probably the most open in terms of like yeah. talking about it and sharing it, like yeah. physically using my voice and talking about it. Yeah. But I've I wrote a blog post about it where I went into pretty significant detail about what happened, and that was about a year after it happened. Mm. And as hard as it was, I think for me the most important thing is that if it just if my story reaches one person that is affected by something similar and it helps them, that's that's then I feel like I, I helped in some way. Mm. And I feel like it wasn't for nothing to go through all of that. Again, as I said at the beginning, life is growing um, or you want to grow in life um, and you only can grow by facing problems um, and by running away from your problems, you can't grow and for, and you can't run away from problems. Mm -hmm. So at some point they will catch you and at some point you have to deal with it. Um, it's up to you how how you deal with it but to be honest i've met really really inspiring people throughout my life i i i every every single one of them had major problems or incidents or 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 uh hard things to deal with but they 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 basically learned how to deal with that and to thrive on that and to become better people um and that's what you want and life throws shit at you and life throws a lot of shit at you at once at some point um but just keep going yeah just keep going because ultimately you will come out of it much stronger much better and and happier because what is that that one quote something like i always like the um the mountain metaphor for things like that where they say something along the lines of the the toughest climbs have the most amazing views yeah i mean essentially that's what it is um because what you learn by dealing with that with dealing with all of that stuff is that you appreciate the simple the, the small and the the really important things of life and you also learn to love how strong you are human beings are insanely yeah. strong yeah. creatures yeah, the we, shit that we go through yeah. emotionally and physically, it it's insane the things that we can pull ourselves up yeah, from. Yeah, you can't deal with everything. There's nothing you can't deal with. Um, and life is a shit show sometimes. And if you read about it, sometimes what people have actually go through to go through every day to to survive, it's insane. But they mm -hmm. do it, and they don't ask themselves why do they do it. They just want to do it that they want to do it for the families they want to do it for themselves to to find a better life to whatever it's insane just also kind of a side note to before when we said that that nobody can fix your problems but you and nobody can fix those things it, that's true but that also doesn't mean that you're alone and I no. think that's really important to remember. Yeah. Doing it by yourself is not doing it by yourself. You're not alone, but only you have the power to pull yourself out from it. And yeah. you have support and you have family and you have friends and you have lovers and all of those things that you have 
people there for you. So you're not alone. You just, you can't put the expectation that somebody yeah, else can yeah, do it for you. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's hard to talk to someone who has never really been through something like that or who has never experienced mm -hmm. anxiety, depression, or other related uh, problems. But you have to, yet there, there's always someone to talk to who understands you to a certain level and who doesn't give you answers like, oh, just don't be sad or something mm -hmm. like that, you know? You have to find the right people to talk to. And if you ever feel something like that, you can talk to us. You can always hit us up. Yeah. Um, and also I want to say, please share this episode with people who might go through something similar or who uh, experience something similar. Um, we would really appreciate that. It, I know of course, it, with the disclaimer that it could yeah, be triggering and sure. that it is more graphic detail of, but if, of events. I think uh, dealing with stuff like that is is really a lot easier if you know that you're not alone mm -hmm. and that there are some there are people who who know what you're going through. One thing that I really want to say before we wrap it up, because this is something I really, really struggled with. It doesn't matter what your experience was if you went through a traumatic experience like that, if you were raped, if you were sexually harassed, every situation is different. And don't compare your story to somebody else's and say, oh, but mine wasn't as bad as theirs. Therefore, mine's not as important or I shouldn't be feeling like this. Yeah, yeah. That's really what I struggled with a lot. And I think a lot of women do. And I just want anyone out there to know that your story matters, yeah. you matter. And how you feel about what happened is important. And it cannot be compared to anybody else's. It's your story. It's your feelings, your emotions, and they're not wrong. Nothing that you feel is wrong. Okay. That was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Heavy episode. Heavy episode. But also I, I hope with a positive light to it that, We've both, just to see, we've both been through significant traumas in our life. And sure, we have our anxieties from it and we struggle with them still, but we're not struggling the way we were yeah. before. And yeah. it does get better and it does get easier. And I think that if you take anything out of that episode, it should, out of this episode, it should be that. That right. there is a light at the end of the tunnel, as cliche as that is, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. And, and you I, might be chasing it for a long time. It yeah. might take you a long time to yeah. get there, but it's there. It's there, yeah. And it also shows that everyone has stuff that they have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, nobody, nobody can escape life, um, and life is part of part of life is being thrown uh, mm -hmm. with shit at. So, and that's also another reason to always be kind to people because you don't know yeah. what they're going through. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they're posting on Instagram uh, how, about how perfect their life seemingly looks through photos, but yeah. just be kind. There's a, there's a funny quote like, uh, kindness doesn't cost a thing, spread that shit everywhere. Right. But it's true. You don't know what other people are struggling with. So think just be kind. That's a good note to end it. I think so too. But yeah, I hope we 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 did a good job, and I hope you guys liked it. Um, again, please share it. We would really appreciate that some people at least mm -hmm. um, are hearing that story because I think it's a really important one to talk about. Um, thank you for sharing it. Thank you for sharing yours. And uh, again, like you said, we're we're always here if anyone wants to 
talk or just, you know, need somebody to talk to. Yeah. We're here. Don't be afraid to share your story. If you're not ready to share your story, that's okay. Yeah. But know that you'll be supported if you do. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.